0: Bunch is only going on Get them open like cavities. Fighters turn casualties. Lift them off their feet when the flows. Any gravities dispose. Any battling foes with bones rattling. Phantoms known for anthem poems and no shattering. Floor to the ceiling. Any room in the building we've been building. Since we children, now we villains with no feelings. And we spilling. Blood on the walls where we chilling. And it's chilling. All the blood in the halls of the buildings. Y'all are gimmicks. You hear the dragons calling the village
1: in a minute. You won't be here at all. Won't be living for that image. You try to give it all, but won't get it out of them. It's Pitch darker than the chronicles. of riddick The menace to
2: For this episode of the podcast, I have my first returning guest, Anthony Tyler. Anthony, of course, wrote the book Dive Manual, Empirical Investigations of Mysticism. I have a link in the show notes where you can purchase that if you're interested. Anthony is a fantastic individual. He's very knowledgeable about uh, actually finding empirical proof for some of the sometimes outlandish things that we discuss about how to tie in the mystical aspect of human nature with the things that we see on an everyday basis and his book is a prime example of that i really enjoyed it Go check out the previous interview i'll have a link in the show notes for that episode where you can listen as well but for this one we go uh, we go a little deeper we go a little stranger maybe and we dive into the nature of good and evil at least as it relates mostly to western culture Because, of course, the large majority of people listening to the podcast are kind of influenced by Western society. So I wanted to tackle this topic because this kind of serves as a bit of an introduction to the idea of good and evil and how we view it as we begin our dive into Zoroastrianism, which, of course, is very much a dualist tradition. And we do mention Zoroastrianism a little bit. I I go into the concept of Ahura Mazda in Ahriman in this episode – that should give you kind of a a narrow basis for what the discussion of Zoroastrianism will entail. And uh, that'll be the topic of focus for the next week or so, interspersed with a few other episodes as well. As an added benefit, this discussion kind of went into a an interesting discussion of ufology and, and the state of ufology in modern times as it relates to the idea of the knowledge of good and evil but also things that are tangentially related to that in terms of manifesting archetypes egregores etc so if you want to check out anthony and my discussion of, of modern ufology and how this all ties in together to mysticism then uh, check out the patreon it's going to be available as a bonus episode at any level my first returning guest i'm so excited anthony tyler how are you I'm doing well, man. Thank you for having me back on.
3: It's a pleasure.
2: Yeah, thanks for reaching out, man. It's always fun chatting with you. I know you've uh you've made the rounds recently, so it's uh it's good to hear your voice on on shows that I listen to.
3: Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, and it's been great to be on those shows. Um I've uh you know, I'm not trying to, to stroke anyone's ego too much here, but like the community in general has been really cool. Um you know there's a lot of different uh, cool podcasts and um researchers and radio hosts out there and uh not all of them but so many of them uh you can find on twitter and so I, as much as i I hate the triviality of twitter uh but it, it it's uh it's been cool to connect with people and uh um i uh yeah I, I um I loved any opportunity I can get to talk about this stuff
2: yeah no that's great that's great. I uh, I especially like hearing you on uh AM Bite. I love Miguel. Uh maybe one day I'll have him on the show as well. But uh yeah, I've been listening to that show for years. And uh, I know you were recently on doing their their live AB sessions. So that's cool. Yeah,
3: we um that was my uh my second time on with Miguel and we did um a Halloween special. So if anyone wants to go back into the catalog and check that out, it was about um Mm, uh, horror and esotericism, among other things, we went into Clyde Barker and some other stuff. That was a really fun conversation.
2: Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, that, that's so. beautiful. I'm a, I'm a huge Lovecraft fan, so Likewise. I uh, yeah yeah I love the the horror and uh esoteric connection. It's it's quite evident, uh, in particular when you're looking at the uh, you know early 20th century because uh, you you know you have a, a big spiritualism movement. Uh, all around the place and you have things like anthroposophy and theosophy popping up and uh steiner gurdjieff all those people and uh, i find all that stuff really fascinating the uh the the one issue that i have sometimes though is that uh, a lot of that stuff is kind of carried over into modern times and uh, it seems to have just lost a lot of the I mean, not not to make a pun, but lost a lot of the magic, if you will. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Um. In in uh, which way specifically do you mean? Um. With the uh the aesthetics of like the uh talk of, like the the spiritualism with like the seances and and ghosts and like that whole resurgence. Um,
2: yeah, like actually, actually wanting to investigate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something that uh, Mike and I have talked about on on Mind Escape. How you know, a lot, a lot of times when you dive into spiritual topics and, and philosophy topics, you can get lost a lot in language and and symbolism, and, and you forget that there is, like, some some hidden truth behind the whole thing, and, and it's a lot more down-to-earth than it appears, right? And so people kind of get stuck, like, finding saviors and, and talking about angels and, and this, that, and the other, and... You know, I'm not saying entities aren't real. I, I know they're real because I've experienced them, right? But uh, but I think people get a little lost in that stuff and and not try to figure out like the the meaning behind the things. And and there should be a way to like categorically figure this stuff out, and that's something that you talk about in your book, Dive Manual. Um, but it's something that I've I've always wondered and, and in my own personal practice, it's the way that I try to approach things.
3: Right, yeah. There's, uh, there's, there's certainly a reality to the unexplainable. Um, you know, if it, if there wasn't some sort of reality to it, then we wouldn't be trying to explain it. Uh, I think, if you want to um, uh, put it quickly, but uh, you know, it's it's a lot more. There's symbolism in uh, in the greater scope and the uh, the given syntax of uh, the situations because symbolism obviously is not just something written down or conveyed through artistic means. It's um, essentially how, you know, when you get into things like uh, archetypes and mimetics, it's how it's kind of the building blocks of the imagination pro- process, which is in and of itself um, a really nuanced uh, adaptation mechanism, essentially. Yeah. Um, so. Um, yeah.
2: That's, that's interesting. Cause that, that goes back to that connection, right. Between things like horror and the esoteric, and and you're talking about archetypes and stuff like that. I mean, that's that was Jung's thing, right? And and when Jung came up with it, everyone's like, oh, "You're you're a quack," you know, kind of go away, and we'll do things the way that Freud likes to do them because he's he's very scientific and logical. And you're talking about airy fairy stories that no one cares about. But but as we see now, I think there's a big resurgence in in Jungian thought.
3: Yeah, well, I think it's uh, we've come to a point in um in our culture at at this point, especially uh, these days, where uh, I don't, you know, this actually, so I did um, prepare a little bit. I don't have like a full dissertation out or anything, (laughs) but I I certainly, whenever I go on a show, I think uh, a little bit about uh, just the general topics that I uh, feel like would be good to touch on. And, uh, you know, lately, and also just what I've been thinking about in my life is usually uh, part of the inspiration there. And, um, you know, this whole, um, this, uh, this dichotomy that we're in today, um, that has really uh, solidified over the years. And I feel like is perhaps more solidified than, uh, more so solidified than most other times. There might be other times throughout history, you could argue, but this, uh, this weird, um, good and evil perspective and how it, it symbolically it's become uh mishmashed in some uh, counterintuitive ways like you look at uh you know so especially in the abrahamic uh traditions like god often equals this um this objectivity and uh therefore authority and like a focus on the collective and that's good and then you have satan which is subjective and uh, it has this focus on the self and that that's a rebellion towards the, the collective inherently. And that's bad. And uh, I'm not I'm not trying to argue that uh, good and evil are irrelevant because I'm sure that's something we'll probably get into. For sure. The conversation. Yeah. But this whole idea that objective but, and also in materialist science today, there seems to be this really huge emphasis on um, objective being real and subjective being fake for some reason like it like it the, like the subjective is just purely some sort of derivative and it's just some sort of imaginative process that doesn't really amount to anything it's it's just static on a on a on a on a television screen um and it's just uh it's so convoluted these days um i don't I don't even know how we got to this point, but uh, it that really brings us to a crux that I feel like we've been um, we've been moving towards for a while now, and it's just this idea that you know I guess it made more sense uh, if you look at it on evolutionary scale. Obviously, like a focus on the collective um, would be extremely advantageous, and it still is today. But uh, with the advents of modern society that we have. There, it, there's become more and more of an emphasis on the self uh, inherently in terms of, um, I don't know, the, uh, the adaptation process you could say because, you know, I mean it's a, uh, it's a basic point, but when you w- extrapolate it further, it, uh, there's a, there's a lot of implications because you know today, obviously, we're not going and hunting and looking for our food and these things. We have a very different society and culture, and this allows us, on you know glass half full it allows us to uh be able to like express our individuality, but glass half empty um we are in in some sense forced to as well, and a lot of people don't know how to do that um and sometimes that can <clears throat> be detrimental if you don't know how to do that. you kind of open up Pandora's box a little bit, yeah. Um, and that's where things get kind of Lovecraftian. so, so. <laughs> um
2: for sure, for sure. Yeah I, yeah, I actually I'm glad that this is what you wanted to talk about because uh, this week i'm I'm actually tackling Zoroastrianism this week and next week oh, and and the the heavy dualistic idea of good versus evil is kind of at the core of of, of Zoroastrian cosmology, you know uh, like there there must be a good God that does the good stuff. And therefore, there must be a bad God that does the bad stuff and And obviously that's heavily influenced Abrahamic traditions and yeah. and a lot of Western thought really in general. so it's it's the perfect topic to dive into and right. And myself as kind of a slightly more um, we'll say maybe Buddhist inspired and and a little bit of a advaita inspiration, I, I'm a little more. I'm less prone to focus so much on on their actually being good or evil, but but I understand kind of the need for that kind of thing. It, I, I would say even in particular in, in modern culture, and I like the way that you phrased it, where where things kind of seem to be changing uh, towards this focus. Like there's there's a resurgence of the subjective, but there's still a heavy focus on an objective reality uh, because. You know, now that we just kind of all live in in tight groups, it seems like you you have to force this narrative of an objective mm-hmm. reality in order for uh, a tight knit community to continue to survive. And and you know, were we still you know say two thousand, five thousand years ago, where it's just like a group of a dozen people or fifty people even, uh, you wouldn't need that so much possibly. Uh, or maybe you do maybe that's it's the opposite but it feels like now that there's you know thousands or millions of people living in one space you have to force an objective narrative or or else it just kind of falls apart
3: absolutely yeah and as a a bit of like an asterisk um like an additional note to the conversation of the the evolutionary scale and the um the perception of the collective uh, juxtaposed with the self I have read before in some different, um, uh, like it's a recurring theme in, in some, um, like Masonic and like Rosicrucian philosophy. And I'm sure that, uh, you could find similar sentiment among the, uh, the, the Hindu with the, the Yuga cycles, but I'm Mm -hmm. not so well versed in that, but this idea of the, the, uh, the human evolutionary curve, uh, having, uh, being like indicative of the, uh, procession of the equinox, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the sun's relationship to the earth. And that, uh, obviously in some way we don't, we don't fully understand the implications of it, but inevitably in some way that is going to affect human consciousness. And the, uh, the, uh, consistent, um, esoteric implication there is that, um, the axial tilt actually had something to do with the, uh, Perspective, the, the initial perspective of the the collective, eventually moving uh, more and more towards the self. So,
2: yeah, uh, I I've actually noticed some. I'm not into astrology too much. Uh, I mean, I, I love stargazing and things like that, but in terms of following horoscopes and things, I'm I'm not too into it. I I do appreciate things like tarot and the I Ching, though, uh, mm. because they seem a little more open to interpretation uh that just kind of watching the way constellations move um and and part of the issue that i have with with at least western astrology is kind of that it's it's stuck on a system that was true you know say during the bronze age or earlier when it was created um and not so much true now because the the positions of the stars and the constellations have changed because of things like precession, and, and the Western system hasn't really accounted for that. And, and I don't think that's true. If you look at like my astrology or, or people that use the Vedic systems, uh, but in terms of, you know, the horoscope that you'd find on like, you know, the Sunday paper, uh, right. the, it seems like if there were some influence of heavenly bodies on us and, and things around us, and I believe that is the case, uh, at least in some extent, then then it seems like it's kind of a little off if we're not charting the, the constellations properly according to their actual position. Does that make sense?
3: Absolutely. And those are really um, important points that more um, astrology enthusiasts should uh, listen to because I – um, i've i have interest in astrology in so far as the the historical and anthropological and even um uh the i guess just the esoteric extents in general like how the the symbolism is used so uh just all sprinkled all throughout um uh western esotericism and i mean since astrology in some form or another is seen across the globe that's another interesting point is um where I would essentially agree with you. Uh, for sure, that there is there's something to it. Like at the very least, you could definitely you could say uh, the science as we know it will fully back it up that um, the uh, the 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 Earth's relationship to the sun has a obviously it has a huge impact on us. So mm-hmm. that in and of itself uh, is essentially what is being charted with the uh, the precession of the equinox. And the way I see it is. Uh, you don't even need and i I don't even necessarily think that there are any sort of um, sol- like uh, energies affecting the earth from these different planets, although there could be but it seems to me it was more so of uh, that these planets were um, they were used as kind of place markers to help um, identify the uh, the earth's actual distance uh, to the sun
2: makes um, sense, yeah.
3: So I think people, you know, uh new age it up a little too much <laughs> the these days. Yeah. Um, no,
2: I agree. I agree.
3: But but there is uh there is interesting value to that. Um um especially, you know, me growing up in Alaska, uh the lack of sunlight, I could tell you, it, it's a, it's a totally different environment. Um but so let's see. Um you know, I, I Thinking about this good and evil thing, um, I and how the subjective is considered so derivative today um, that it is barely given much credit. It seems um, well, it you know, I don't think that good and evil do uh, uh, exist on an objective level. I think that that is pretty well, uh, you know, demonstrable at this point. Mm-hmm. I, I, but just because it is subjective doesn't mean that you throw it out the window and there does seem to be this sort of you know it seems like the classic good guy bad guy dichotomy is really just um some sort of exoteric uh explanation of the alchemical process because uh it seems to me like when you look at christianity for example and you parse through the history of it as it's evolved over all these centuries um It seems that, well, it's very evident that this whole idea of hell and Satan as we know it today is a weird, um, it just kind of, it was like a snowball effect, but, you know, that came uh, probably through mostly translations. Like there's, I'm not a linguist, but I could tell you that there are cases to be made by linguists that uh, the relevance of like translation, like between lesser demons and an arch demon uh just some of that gets mishmashed in translation it seems and how much satan or like an arch nemesis is even referenced in the bible is debatable it's not non-existent but it, it doesn't seem to be the huge focus that uh it definitely without a question was isn't uh, was not the huge focus that it is today in this uh dichotomy that that's been created um
2: I, let me let me interrupt you for a second It's really funny that you mentioned this particular example mm-hmm. because I actually have recorded I haven't released it yet uh, but I did record an episode on uh number one why Lucifer is not not Satan and right. number two why there is no uh devil in the Bible
3: <laughs> excellent yeah. excellent uh
2: and, and you're right part of it is a mistranslation right? Uh, because the for example the term lucifer only shows up in the old testament one time Mm, and it's not in reference to any entity it is literally referencing venus Um, and it's an allegory towards uh, the king of babylon at the time so you know things like that get lost in translation when when you pick the the word that kind of pushes your agenda a little further right so when it gets translated into Greek and they see this this term that means morning star in, in the Old Testament, they say, Oh yeah, morning star, like in our language, that's Lucifer. And then as as the, the idea of good and evil progress uh you know after Jesus' death, for example, when the early church forms, uh, you, you kind of have to find things to prove your point of view, right? And mm-hmm. so you say, Well, yeah here in this text it says lucifer lucifer is the devil and everyone's like well yeah that makes sense because none of us speak greek so sure we'll go with that right like this guy knows he studied the bible his whole life and and that that kind of goes to the the main issue that i always have with with dogmatic approaches to religion is that uh you know you you lose your authority to think right and you you allow others to think for you
3: absolutely yeah absolutely and um i think that um the more you look at the Bible, um, I haven't read the whole thing. Um, be hard pressed to find someone who has, read yeah. the
2: whole thing. Uh,
3: but I've definitely picked through, um, and there are certain texts that I gravitate towards, uh, because of their, their poignance and, uh, be also because of the, uh, like the plethora of commentary, other like actual scholars have made on them, like, uh, like the book of Job and, you know, uh, the, the story of Cain and Abel, uh, especially those two, um, because of this whole relationship that, uh, that we're looking at with good and evil and how it, it doesn't even quite line up to what you would consider modern Christianity today. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, like I said uh, uh, right before, it, it seems like in the book of Job, which is something that uh, Gautier was really trying to emphasize with uh, his rendition of Faust, uh, that, um, God and Satan don't even seem to be so much in opposition with each other. Um, and it's more of, um, Satan being used as this, uh, alchemical solvent of sorts. Um, and you know, it, uh, it, I hate to, it, I think it's a bit too, uh, reductionist to say that they, they work together, but Um, Jung in his book, Answer to Job, which is, uh, it's only like 150 pages or something like that, but it's so dense. It's impressive and um, a lot to get through, but (laughs) in a good way. Um, And I I, I believe um, uh, that Jung actually said, I'm like 99% sure, I think it's in the foreword of this copy I have, that of all the uh, texts that he wrote throughout his career, um, Answer to Job would be, the only one that he didn't have any corrections to. Oh, wow.
2: Yeah. So, um, and
3: it's a very, uh, it's, uh, it's a very Gnostic sort of text where it's uh, like a Gnostic Christian would be the best uh, way to encapsulate it because throughout it, he is um, trying to dissect this idea of Yahweh as the antinomi, which is the uh, opposites in totality mm-hmm. um, and, um, and also how that requires some sort of uh, projection process of Yahweh where, so um, whereas Jung is always talking about uh, people's projection process uh, being like the vessel for these concepts of gods and these uh, metaphysical ideas he in, in the uh, answer to Job is saying that from his best guess, like from just how the text reads uh, Yahweh is going through the same type of almost existential crisis as Job is, as, as there's this communication process unfolding. Um, because at times Yahweh seems frustrated and uh, even petulant and uh, essentially very Zeus-like. Yeah. Um, and you could find that obviously that's nothing new. You could find that all throughout the old Testament. And it seems like the new Testament was Christians uh, kind of trying to clean house a little bit. And like, all right, well, he's not that bad. He's not that bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i mean yahweh is rough he is brutal um but he can also be cool at times um and it's um i think so these are two things that i feel like uh, are kind of cruxes of the conversation here is that if you just want to take it um in in the terms of uh, of like the western symbolism um, god is imperfect and uh, it's important to have some sort of sympathy for the devil. Uh, two things that uh, yeah. I would be tortured and uh, hanged for. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, but you're you're right actually, and uh, and and I find that allegory interesting. I haven't read Answer to Job in in a long, long time, so I can't comment on it. But but the way that you're explaining on it uh, does kind of lead credence to this argument uh, that uh, the the. The God in the Old Testament is uh, the Zoroastrian Ariman, right? So, uh, so in, in Zoroastrianism, you have these two deities. You have Ahura Mazda, who's the good God, and his twin brother is Ariman, right? And uh, and Ariman's kind of like deformed, right? And so as a result, like he he does evil things, but like he's not necessarily evil, right? He's just like he's very selfish and self-centered. Uh, whereas ahura mazda like wants the world to be in peace right and like everyone live according to nature and this that and the other uh and and ariman doesn't want that right like he he wants to be in control kind of like the the demiurge for the gnostics and uh and the interesting thing about that is and, and so there there's there's been many a paper written that ariman is yahweh right uh, but the interesting thing about that philosophy that that i think is often overlooked is that there is kind of this reference to the yugas um because of course the, the zoroastrians come from persia and so they're you know in the european culture and and a lot of the mythology does have some basis with what you would find in india and other places mm-hmm. and um and they they switch places so i think it's like every 3000 years one of these guys is ruling the universe, mm-hmm. right? And so, so you have this this era of time where like things are really tough for people because Ahriman's in place and he he controls everything and everything's about you know praising Ahriman and and this that and the other. And then there's a battle and they switch places and Ahura Mazda takes over, and and then you have like a golden age, right, where everyone lives in peace and and happiness and and i find that whole concept really fascinating and Mm -hmm. and a a really cool take on what people normally think of as the yugas right
3: yeah very fascinating indeed yeah one two one two um one two one two check it
1: one two one two show y'all niggas what i'm about to do Rusty Jooks in the building, evacuate all women and children, it's going down nigga, yo. Jooks coming out of the with a splipper since Z, plus an Illmatic 16, a ripper MC, sharper than i ever been, who rhymes better than the Crown Heights veteran? spitting that heroin, so thorough when it only gets realer, fuck a narcotic on the streets, I'm a death dealer, Rusty Reaper, squeezing a street sweeper, body any beat, top dollar elite feature. My boss is barbarian medieval, the aura of a king on the throne, the kids regal. Strap with that black, I shoot rapid violence. So when I spas graphic, I'm too classic. My albums are timeless. Your flow all fucked up, punchlines rhymeless Treat whack rappers like a wet food stamp. Rusty jokes to fame. These niggas want they space. They tell me get my fingers off
0: they plates. When well, I'm getting thinner they stuff they face. All you punks get laced, They don't want to spit it the touch they papes. But I'm here for dinner, so fuck they space these oh, niggas want their space. tell me get
1: my fingers off they plates. When well, I'm getting thinner they stuff they face. All you punks get laced, They don't want spit it the to touch they papes. But I'm here for dinner So fuck this slaves so yeah, punch me. clock And I'm back to work My back hurts From trying to carry my team And lift them from under this dirt I'm not at this earth I surf the rings around Saturn With rhyme patterns So precise that he's splitting atoms Atomic Spitting up vomit This shit the mind catch a float They got a better chance Of catching a comet These rappers acting like They the next Christopher Wallace But ain't ready to die And their weapons ain't even parlous I live forever in the quantum of solace Just the way it is The music biz Got me unsteady Ready to lose my lid The fuse Lit. We waiting to blow till we raking and dope. I'ma snatch your mic quick as Satan taking your soap We coming for the top spot Shit on beats and cop squats But these rap critics still saying this shit is not hot Bars stay nasty and ugly as fuck Ain't nobody out there hungry as us Talk These niggas want y'all. they space
0: They tell me get my fingers off they plates Well I'm getting thinner they stuff they face All you punks get laced They don't want spit spitter to touch they plates But I'm here for dinner so fuck they space These niggas
2: want they space Telling me get my fingers off they plates Well I'm getting thinner they stuff they face up they face all you puns get laced. Did the boy dispense in the touch
0: they paced? But I'm here for dinner, so fuck they slaves. I got beef, I'm really awesome.
1: Really telling the truth to the feast. Similar to what a carnivore do to the beef.
0: Oh. A typical cross between a scholar and a criminal boss Biblical yeah. laws that we follow are like biblical songs. The violent ride that I deliver through bars could cause physical uh. harms. You probably die from the centripetal force. The shit is a loss to put money on your pitiful Fuck. corpse. I find it funny they shun me for my despicable thoughts. Get from yeah, yeah. me. You scrub the stummies with invisible uh. horns. I ain't just hungry for nah, these nah. minimal carbs. I want a dog. You fucking pray. Yeah. You least the fists of God? You rub it with? You crumbs get lit? You don't cover farms with other mitts? So come equip. You punks is gluttons for punishment. I must have you like a drug and you lovin' it, my son. Did you, all you imitation, Drake's a gone sweet. The Mason's wrote a revelation, Sacred adaptation. Oh, these the niggas needs. want they uh, space. Huh. Telling me get my fingers off they plates. Well, I'm getting thinner, they stuff they face. All you punks get laced. They don't want to spit of
2: the touch they plates. But I'm here for dinner, so fuck they oh, slaves. Huh. These niggas want they space. Telling me get my fingers off they
0: plates. Well, I'm getting thinner, they stuff they face. All you punks get laced. They don't want to spit of the touch they plates. But I'm here for dinner, so fuck they <laughs> slaves. Home. Yeah, it the time, nigga it the time, son simple, simple, what Y'all
1: couldn't do too long
4: for me to get a seat, Keep the belly off, well, he's telling truth to the feet How'd do, everybody? It's your good old friend tippy Patson here From the, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen Behold, for I have something to to lay upon you. Okay, um, recently I uh, I smoked this uh, this drug called uh, uh, a a basuco. It's from Colombia. Uh, my buddy gave it to me, and it's cocaine paste. You see, um, and I recently been doing some of this, and um, it occurred to me that last night. After some Google searching, um, what happened to me after smoking some bazooka was um, I achieved Tibetan rainbow body. How about that, y'all? Yeah, my body shrank. I got all real tiny. Uh, I started like emitting rainbows from my body, and like I smelled really good, as they say, uh, that the people do and dang old man i even you know i didn't die i'm good i'm still good right here but i even lost a few pounds so i was thinking you know how about i just go dang old on and sell uh tippy Patterson's rainbow body weight loss program dang old man that's right you know shed a few pounds the the tibetan buddhist way and uh you know you can go to my website um Uh, Timmy Patson and all that, or you can dial 1-800-SPACELAUYERS.COM for more info. Now, um, a part of this is uh, you need to know more about this Basuco drug, okay? Um, It's very interesting, and uh, it helped me in the whole process of achieving Rainbow Body. Uh, And it's, like I said, it's a cocaine paste. Um, it's extracted, not in laboratories, but like good old fashioned, like in people's kitchens and stuff. And it's, uh, it's, uh, extracted and dissolved with, uh, things like gasoline, sulfuric acid, chloroform, kerosene, uh, uh acid from car batteries. And then it's, and then it's cut, you know, to make bigger, uh, and give it a little bit of a punch, um, with Ajax, uh, talcum powder. Or, you know ground up bricks or cornstarch and things like that and on the streets they call it things like uh suzuki uh, banana little devil and freckles so it's a real dang old fun thing to smoke and it tastes real good y'all so you know smoke some bazooka and uh you know partake in tippy patson's uh rainbow body weight loss program y'all come on let's do it together we'll uh we'll be small tiny people uh the rainbow body away and then we'll you know it'll be a good time all right take it easy everybody
5: hello everybody it's uh it's your friend uh jefferson tillamook slinger codename yeah uh I uh, I don't have any products to sell you at the moment but I did have to uh I just wanted to uh, let everybody know that I recently watched this uh Aminal Planet documentary about how mermaids and mer people actually exist uh and also dragons exist too I mean Aminal Planet wouldn't make these things up it's very 100% true or uh, just about as true as Bill Hicks being Alex Jones so supposedly the theory is uh when we were when we were used to be the monkeys um some of the monkeys like ended up hanging up close to the water and like instead of getting all hairy they got it really scaly and like had a bunch of like gills and like fins and stuff like really crazy and uh in the- if you watch the Amino Planet documentary, um, they have, like, these super realistic, uh, like, accounts, where you can see, like, the mermaid, like, his hand, his little webbed hand is up against the glass, and, like, it's, like, very realistic. Like, like, the best PS2 cutscenes I've ever seen in my life. Uh, so, uh, I guess mermaids are actually a thing, you know? Mermaids and mer people. So, uh, is it illegal to own one? Is the question I want to know. I would like to own a mer person. I know we couldn't have the dolphins around here anymore, but maybe a mer dude would be pretty fun. Or maybe a mer lady? I'm not sure. I guess we could cross that bridge when we get there. Anyway, um, mer people are people too. So, and dragons exist, so, pretty crazy shit. Uh, goodbye.
6: Has gravity got you down? Do you not understand the difference between a wave or a particle? What about the planets? How do all those rotate around each other? Laws of physics and other sciences can be confusing. So the next time you're curious just how exactly E equals MC squared, hire a highly trained and qualified professional. That's right. It's space Space lawyers. Space lawyers are skilled in litigation with the laws of time, space, cosmic ghost pirates and various other lawyerings. Each space lawyer has a PhD in space law law, from the Cosmic Hall of Space Space Justice. Justice and they can get you out of just about any sticky situation. So stop bonking your head on things, or accidentally creating big bangs with your haphazard studies in quantum Quantum physics. physics. Leave all of that to the highly trained professionals prepared to litigate these laws for you. Just call one 800 spacelawyercom for more info. Space Space Lawyer! Space lawyers cannot be used in a regular court of law. They can only accept cash and no cosmic traveler checks nor visa debit cards. Please wait up to four cosmic business days for our space lawyers to get back to you.
1: Once more.
3: <laughs> uh, because here's the thing: is I don't identify as Christian. Um, if if anything, I guess you could call me some sort of like hermeticist. Uh, I don't really ascribe to any anything concretely uh, like one thing in particular. But so there's always that what you were raised with always has that lingering mm-hmm. kind of effect for you and plus i have family members still so i still have to um, um i'm always trying to uh, i guess uh, play devil's advocate in um in in uh because i you could say that i certainly have more gnostic leanings where i you know clearly uh talking about uh yahweh being petulant um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but i definitely um i i do appreciate the uh the, the esoteric christianity uh i don't I, the, the the exoteric versions these days frustrate me to say the least yeah but, um uh i do have i do appreciate the tradition um and i think that i think it's uh, uh yeah throwing the baby out with the bathwater a little bit to say that yahweh is full blown evil um which is uh, a point that yeah, you were describing how it was more. Um, uh, you you were making that point as well, essentially. And
2: yeah, um, it it's it's kind of like when you look at yin yang, right? Like there's a little right. bit of darkness and the light, and a little bit of light in the darkness. Exactly. That's yeah.
3: A, yeah, it's a very big point. Yeah, like they did that for a reason. <laughs> um, but um, oh yeah, so so I mean, but even so, we start talking about the demiurge and how how imperfect is Yahweh really. But then it doesn't really, um, it, you could flip the symbolism on its head, but it doesn't explain the the subjective day-to-day human question of what is good and evil and how much does it really affect us? Absolutely. Because, yeah. Like one way or the other, you have one good and one bad. Like, you can't seem to get around it. And it, um, you know, it seems to be uh, it's, it's very important that we have this uh, this this cultural agreement that happens. And I think that it, uh, you know, this is something else that uh, plays into the conversation is uh, thermodynamics and chaos theory, which, um, you know, has a, a lot of value for a lot of different reasons in this conversation. Like, first of all, just the fact that psychology, uh, Freud and Jung were both heavily inspired by um, the, the, psychological implications that things like thermodynamics might have um and then that's how jung got on this whole trip about the the gnostics and the alchemists because he was looking at light and dark and he was like wow okay this is these are like allegories for physics of the mind yeah. yep um, and it, yeah that play, that rings true and um i think that good and evil while are subjective in the sense of our um, explanations of them uh, to the T. They are reminiscent of um, laws of physics, essentially laws of nature. Um, you know, because it, it it's a it's an evolutionary agreement that we have between us all. Where if you do a certain part to make sure that you don't ruin other people's chance, then then you'll generally have your chance as well, and. Um, these things change over time and it kind of goes back to the motif of what we're talking about with the, the switch from the collective more to the subjective, because in today's society, um, was it, in the past, you could focus on the collective and everybody would be fine. But in today's society, since there's naturally more of a focus on the self, the self bottoms out and then you have a, a, a neurotic deviant or psychopath you know, like <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. These people these people bottom out and they're still perfectly functioning for all intents and purposes in society and that's very bad um that wouldn't have happened thousands of years ago they would have for better or worse probably uh, th- thrown that person off a cliff or something sparta style
2: sure well and you know and and there are still cultures i think particularly in africa and the There's amazon also, where you know the 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 biggest um like punishment you can get it's just being ostracized from the tribe. Right. Right. Um, because the, the the mentality is so collective that if you're on your own, you're just guaranteed death basically.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, this whole, this whole good and evil thing in the long run, you know, it, uh, it, it's, it, it, it makes sense, you know, just because it's subjective, like I said, doesn't make it, um, irrelevant. And, um, I think you know it because it, it, we have to take certain things into perspective, like clearly uh it's it's not good to harm a child uh, like under any circumstances right, right, um, right. and uh so, so we know that, so we can't call that good in today's um common society, so uh, that's not what a good person would do, so y- there has to be some sort of category that is not good, and that is evil, but we all like Aristotle and we like a lot of Greek philosophers. And most of those guys were diddling kids. (laughs) Yes. It was part of their culture. Uh, Were those guys evil? If they were in today's society, yes, they would be. And I still think that that is not a good quote unquote trait of a person, but also it's the, it's kind of the, the evolutionary like psychological thermodynamics of the situation. Like I'm not, um, um, Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I'm not making an argument for it, but there's just the evolutionary thing. People lived like, they didn't even live as long, and there's there's all sorts of different things. And um, all I'm trying to say is, I'm not going to throw out all of Greek philosophy because of that. Um, So there has to be, we have to understand that there's some sort of subjective curve to it all, but that doesn't make it irrelevant, clearly. And um, people get wrapped up um, in their... Uh, their ideas of uh, people people get really really wrapped up in deifying these concepts and it and it, it convolutes things.
2: I think I think part of the issue is that when when people look at things like morality and ethics, they they take it that it's like a universal thing, right? So no matter where in the universe you go, this exact thing is wrong. But, but even here, within specific circumstances, that thing might not necessarily be considered wrong, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, for example, in, in the United States, in, in many states, if somebody comes on your property, legally, you're allowed to shoot them, mm-hmm. right? In some countries, that's preposterous, <clears throat> right? That you would have that ability, right? Or, or same thing if you kill somebody, right? If you kill somebody, we deem that as wrong, but what if it's like self-preservation, right? What if this person broke into your house and was going to kill your wife or your kids, right? In that case, then you're like, okay, well, in that case, it's okay to kill the person. Well, which is it? Is is murder okay or is it not okay? Right. You see what I mean? So there's always these nuances, and, and when you think of ethics and morality, uh, you know – I always get the comments when I talk about the stuff that, oh, well, you're you're a moral relativist, so like everything's cool by you, and that's not what I'm saying at all, right? No. You need to look at these things in terms of of the culture that you're looking at, right? And so here, one thing is okay, and we all agree that that's okay, but we also need to respect the fact that you know, in China or Russia or South Africa or Spain or somewhere else, that thing is not seen as okay, right? So if dude if we go to france right and we we do whatever i don't know, work we, ha- we carry a gun okay <laughs> in the u.s you can carry a gun in many states right if you have a, a concealed weapons permit mm-hmm. you go to france and you have your gun on you they'll arrest you right you go to japan if you have it in your house they'll arrest you because you're it's illegal to own a firearm you know what i mean so like you can't be like oh well yeah back home i can have my <laughs> my gun in my pocket Well, that's not the way it works.
3: Yeah. And 100%. And, you know, to the people who would consider that moral relativism, it, it really isn't. It's uh, it's what we've been talking about this whole time, where the, the positive and negative, um, are this, have this alchemical transmutation dance that's going on. And that's what the the yin and yang is showing. Um, is so perfect in its simplicity where you, um, um, you you have to understand that there's the, the, the ebb and flow and that, um, these, uh, these things have, uh, you know, there's, there's a, there's a core relevance to it, but, um, it's going to change, um, in, in, in the given cultures, like you said. Um, and, um, let's see. Um, um, I don't know if there's a very good segue for this, but um, it's on the same topic. And this is definitely as well, something that I wanted to bring up um, where people are trying to deify these concepts of, uh, of, of good and evil and positive and negative. And, um, you know, it really got me thinking like, so what is, so if, if thermodynamics is playing a role in this as like a a path of least resistance evolutionarily in the psyche, then what is like, so what is God here? Like, let's talk, let's just talk a little bit of philosophy for fun. Oh yeah.
2: Um, Here we go.
3: Yeah. So because when you look at uh, like Yahweh um, specifically, it's, there's a very human it's a very humanized quality all the gods have humanized qualities and that's the whole that's the whole thing to it Uh, but you ask like the average person today that's open-minded but not too dogmatic they tend to give you this uh uh like animus sort of mindset where god is like the living breathing universe in and of itself and i think that that is a a, that's a, a nice metaphor i like that but like i the more I've thought about it uh, recently, uh, contemplating this, I, it, that doesn't seem to be like what the traditional definition of a god is.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, a god is this sort of uh, a confluence of these like thermodynamic laws of nature and how they become humanized when they interact with the subjective experience, so to speak. But, but um, what's behind that? you know, because even Dante and the Divine Comedy, and I mean, even Christianity itself, that God is residing in heaven. So there's like, there's something beyond God. And the uh, the idea of omnipotence was what really got me here. And it's the idea that, you know, omnipotence being almighty, you have power over everything. But I don't really, uh, I don't think that there is like a, 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 sentient conscious thing out there that has power over the laws of the universe. And that doesn't seem to be what, unless you're really caught up in your, uh, in your dogma and no disrespect, but it, uh, th- that doesn't seem to be what most people think of, uh, as God today, if they want to use that term. Um, but, but that's what God is throughout all of, all of religions. It's something that has the power. Um, it has the omnipotence, but, what most people are really striking at these days is a term that I didn't know was a thing until recently, but it's, uh, let's see, how do you pronounce it? Metapotence, like metapotence, this, uh, okay. instead of having power over the law, you are the law. Right. That's and, and that's really what, if you, I think that at this point, um, scientifically in the archetypal process, um, we can demystify a lot of, um, the 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 talk about gods but we can't strip away like you know i listened to um uh your episode on you know faith belief and gnosis and Mm -hmm. i would say at this point that which was very good by the way um that yeah yeah um i don't think that i um i wouldn't say that i believe in any gods but i do have faith in them because i understand that they are not these humanized personifications uh that, well, uh, that's the that's the allegory part of it. But what we what I do know is that there are um, there are transpersonal embodiments of laws of physics that do have impact um, on our subjective experiences in radical ways that we could still barely fathom. You know, it's the it's the kind of chaos magician idea of things where, like you know Ares the god of war is this transpersonal symbolic embodiment of not only all war throughout history but the emotions that lead to war and in that way whether or not there is any sentient god up there the idea of like Ares lives through all of that and i think that that really is that's like the true definition of uh, of these things they're not uh, particularly um sentient and they don't have omnipotence there's no omnipotence otherwise things would not have this slow like natural law effect like clearly there's there's no alchemist at the lab bench in heaven (laughs) tinkering with things yeah
2: yeah there's a lot to what you just said man and and i like all of it uh i think uh one thing that i find interesting is this idea of like uh, god creates man man creates god right mm-hmm. and and there's different interpretations of that idea in in different philosophies so for the gnostics you would have a demiurge who created the material universe but then you have the god above god right and mm-hmm. and it could be any names like abraxas the bethos whatever right. any of these names um, but there is something higher than the god that created this and and that God has a lot of power because he created this stuff out of the the little piece of of the one true God that he emerged from, uh, but he's not he he doesn't have complete power, right? That's that's up to the one above God, and and the thing is that the God above God doesn't, which being the true God by the way, doesn't really care about like day to day operations, right, no. and. And I think, in many ways, that must be a lot of the the Eastern inspiration uh, for Gnosticism, because you you have similar ideas within like Hinduism, for example, right? And and there's there's a good argument to be made that Hinduism is not a religion; it's a philosophy; it's a, a, a cultural way of life. Um, but but if you look at the the God aspects of it, you know, most people think of it as a polytheistic religion but really there's only one god right it's it's brahman and then all the other ones are just different manifestations of right. that one entity right so you have a god for creation a god for death a god for the sky a god for the earth and and it's not that they're they are separate entities but ultimately they kind of all get their power from again the the god above god right from brahman and and i find that idea much more interesting yes. and and i think it's I think the problem is that people don't like to think that their God is, is fallible or, or doesn't have ultimate authority or, or can do wrong, right? People want to believe in, in a perfect being and, mm-hmm. and they always want to have a savior uh, that, you know, that's why you get uh, doomsday predictions, you know, twice a year now. Uh right. now we're recording this on the eighteenth, so this episode may never come out, right? Because people are saying the world ends on the twenty-first now. And uh <laughs> yeah, you know, and this has been going on for how many I mean, we know for a fact two thousand years, right? In Christian tradition. But oh, yeah. but there's been doomsday predictions for ten thousand years. And and the world never ends, right? It just it just constantly changes and evolves. Mm-hmm. And and I think that is kind of you know i like to really simplify things right when i find a, a belief system i'm like whoa that's that's let me think about this right because there's there's some truth in here and and always i end up getting down to the core and it always arrives at the same place where like even the most fantastical story that you can come up in in any religious text or or anything else like through a world a tradition it always comes down to just like everyday experience right yeah and and it's just so veiled in in beautiful language sometimes in beautiful images that people are like oh yeah it's not about you know let me uh let me not be a, a glutton right and uh whatever they take that <laughs> as like the ritual right so they're like oh i can't be a glutton so like i'm gonna fast for six days out of the week that's what god wants like it's not what god wants all it's saying is like be a good human being right like be a decent human being don't uh don't destroy the environment around you because then you have nowhere to live uh you know thank the animals for the fact that they allow you to kill them so you can eat them um you know like just be nice to each other be cool with each other what isn't that a, a quote from bill and 10 be excellent <laughs> to each other like that's yeah, what it boils down to you know what i mean just like be excellent absolutely. to each other and <laughs> and don't overeat don't just sit on your couch and watch tv all day you know like go enjoy nature you know eat and then you're full quit eating uh you want to do psychedelics do some psychedelics uh you want to pray you want to read do, do whatever you want um i think even alan watts kind of he made fun of uh, of crowley one time he he didn't mention Crowley by name, but you know, that was Crowley's thing, right? Like do what thou wilt. And uh and and without mentioning Crowley, Watts said something to the effect of like, you know, people talk about do what thou wilt all the time. Uh, you know, Buddhist monks have been saying it for three thousand years, that was that was missionaries have been saying it for five thousand years. This is just mm-hmm. like a common sense thing. You right. should be able to do what you want, right? As long as you're not hurting others in the process. Yeah. Yeah,
3: absolutely. That, um, you know, articulated well in the, um, I don't know the, the beautiful story, the, the beautiful allegory that's become very exoterically convoluted these days with the whole bite of the apple in the garden um, mm. and how, uh, like know it, knowing thyself is inherently demonic and evil and shameful. Um, uh, but also, you know, uh, all this in mind, um, it is obviously very important to have some sort of platonic ideals. You know, you don't want to be a nihilist, um, or a moral relativist. Um, you do want to have some lines in the sand that you draw. So sure. to speak. And, yeah. um, and you know, I think you just to, um, I don't know, like cherry on top for, uh, for listeners, especially like that. I, I, I think people want to see, uh, they want to have like a perfect God um, as that ideal, some sort of. Um, you, you articulated it well a bit earlier. Uh, people's desire for it, but um, that's not really what the ideal is, because um, I mean, uh, some priests are pedophiles. I mean, that's not God <laughs> in itself. Yeah. But that's like sometimes you know God can be a very good thing, but sometimes your dedication to God can lead to some horrifying things and just like um i've i've met and i most people have at this point met the regular LeVay style satanist in their everyday life and they're great people most of the time uh some of them can be a little narcissistic but they're they're pretty much just uh like rebellious eccentric atheists um,
2: exactly and, yeah
3: yeah and um um so yeah that's just goes to show that it's um, like, you know, the, the alchemical solvent is you know, stripping the impurities. It's uh, it's good to do and it's good to know how to use those things. Um, but you also like, if you know, to use the basic, like uh, a thermodynamic esque metaphor, um, you know, you could, you could uh, use heat to purify things, but you could also burn the shit out of the, what you're trying to extract to right. begin with and ruin the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah
2: yeah Um, it's it's uh you know it's about not taking it too seriously man i just i watched a a great document well i don't want to say great it was good uh (laughs) a documentary uh about the pastafarians are you familiar oh is
3: that spaghetti monster
2: yeah yeah yeah
3: yeah i know a little bit
2: yeah so so the documentary is called i pastafari and it basically (laughs) just like kind of shows you what pastafarians believe in and uh and it's kind of a joke, like it started as a joke religion, right? They they mm-hmm. do have a sacred text that is basically like rewriting parts of the Bible in comedic fashion. Um but, but ultimately it's it's a religion set up for people that don't believe in religion or that find religion kind of um preposterous in, in the over eccentricity of it, right? And yeah, so absolutely. but but they they try to convey this message in a religious way. Right. So so they have they, they have a mass on Sunday, right? <laughs> um one of their things is like their priests have to wear pirate regalia, like full pirate regalia. And, and I didn't
3: realize it was that extensive.
2: Oh play. yeah, for sure. Yeah, and there's there's like three million people that identify as Pastafarian apparently worldwide. Oh. Um so, so it kind of goes through their beliefs kind of and, and kind of the schism that happened. Uh, there's some people that wear uh, a a colander on their head now. Instead of uh, their pirate regalia, but uh, oh. but it's interesting in in the sense that it's similar to what the the Church of Satan does, and right. and other similar uh, things like um, what's the the one that put up that Baphomet statue? Um, I can't mm-hmm. remember. It wasn't Church of Satan, but it's like an, an offshoot group, something of Satan. Oh, what, the Temple of Set, maybe? Maybe yeah, maybe it was the Temple of Set, and
3: that what, uh, uh, founded by um LeVay's right-hand man who branched off uh michael aquino and there's all sorts of conspiracy theories about him um
2: yeah his his, his uh LeVay's daughter was in that too for a little while
3: yeah yeah, yeah. She, she's she
2: got he, her own thing now
3: right and for anyone who doesn't know um that the temple of set was formed because of Leve's atheism essentially the city yeah. wanted to take the black magic much more seriously
2: which, which is funny, right the Leve creates basically a religion for atheists and <laughs> and and then you have an offshoot group that says, well, no, like we really want to worship Satan <laughs> so yeah it's very curious right but but that's how it happens though, right you yeah. you create the system and then people take it too literal mm-hmm. and and so you create the deity, right God creates man, man creates God.
3: Yeah, this is something I I just have to add uh, for fun here. I'm not sure. uh, It's just kind of like an addition to uh, the consideration of religion and this like postmodern sort of era we have. Uh, But when I was looking into um, uh, like just different chaos magic stuff, um, I came across, I had no idea this was a thing. Um, I'm not trying to throw shade, but it seems just preposterous to me um, it, where it was, so I'm sure you're familiar with the community of, um, of all sorts of people that are interested in the, my little pony cartoons.
2: <laughs> yes. The, the bronies. Yeah. Uh,
3: and they call them bronies and yeah. stuff like grown men. Yeah. Well, apparently not joking. Anyone could Google this. And they even did some like observational, like analytical studies about this, uh, about the community. But there was like uh, internet communities that I believe still exist where, People started, these bronies that they call them, started incorporating chaos magic into their ideas about the My Little Pony cartoon and actually created uh, forums about how to summon your own um, uh, My Little Pony
2: tulpas, seriously. That's amazing. That's so funny. I I didn't know that, but I did know that there were uh, like tulpa communities on Reddit Mm -hmm. uh, where they get together, create these things.
3: I could be wrong, but I'm quite certain that the My Little Pony Topa community was like the first one, if not the first big one. I believe it. Yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, re- the the re- religious or mystical train of thought in today's postmodern society has taken on some interesting i. It's um, uh, taken on some interesting faces. Um, I don't know how much more time you have. You want to talk about, but um, I got some more time and. I figured if uh if there was anything else at the end we could uh we could talk about uFOs a little bit too since that keeps coming up
2: oh yeah, yeah I, I mean I got time man you whatever you want it's your show it's your show tonight <laughs>
3: cool well hey I, um uh, I appreciate that man um so yeah, this uh it it really it, it triggered my memory uh, talking about uh mystical train of thought in in this society um UFOs is a and ufology is a very curious thing. Now I want to make a disclaimer because I'm going to take some jabs here, but it's not any personal jabs. I'm just asking <laughs> skeptical questions and I want anybody who is really staunchly um, on the like gung ho disclosure, ufology to the max side of the fence. I'm with you. Like I'm not saying that these things don't exist. I'm not the asshole that's telling you that you're insane or anything. I've, I've seen some UFOs. I've never seen little beings, but I've seen some crazy stuff and I know that there's some unexplainable stuff out there, but we have to ask some serious questions here. Now that there's continuous, it's, uh, it seems to ebb and flow never seems to quite get anywhere. The, uh, uh, the interest in ufology, but it seems to be, um, really building towards something right now. And, um, you know, at its best, I think that ufology, um, in this more like overarching Fortean sense, um, I think it's very important to be investigating these things. But, uh, but at the same time, um, it's also important to realize that uh, these things, like ufology itself it does take on this sort of quasi-religious quality to it.
2: And that's going to wrap up this episode of The Chemical Mind. I want to thank Anthony for joining me on this discussion of the nature of good and evil. If you want to check out
1: I strike like Iron Eagle, destined to live a life of evil. Professor X when I rep, the flow is type cerebral. Tiger blood, keep my eyes flood with a red tint. In other words, nigga, I'm high on drugs. Fresh J's and my best blade. Homie, he, you couldn't see me on your best day. Dog, I'm on some far coast getting large notes. You little jokes getting hype off a of blog post. Y'all all jokes like comedy skit. I forever rule. My dead brother made me promise of this. I ain't trying to get rich. I just want to splatter beads, to cast a fee. I was spawned from the black seeds, beat bitch balls masterfully, and hit you so hard you bounce off the wall and fucking land in back of me. The rap you see was inspired by the Jamison, Damien, Mania your men, they never see your
0: name homie, again. Homie, we abstract. If you rappers don't think you act, and show me you pass yeah. that. Yo, no, these crab cats, just be acting phony, you ass back. Yeah. In your last track, cause what you told me, you grabbed. yo, we expose it, you dash that. Yo, homie, we abstract. If you rappers don't think you back, then show me you pass that. Cause no. These crab cats, just be acting phony, you ass back, your last track I swap. Told me you grab gas Exposing you dad's dead. They say life is a gamble So I'm balling my hands on dykes I stand on ice With a vision of Van Gogh's sight A vigorous villain Who prance on mics position for killing discussion The switch is a Russian Sambo strike Got my fist clenched And you don't want a hands-on fight You nah, get French twist And never been to France one night It's technician I write stuff that is hand-roll tight Left and right punches Precise cuts for Rambo's knife Don't get sliced up I'm an Israeli Navy troop sprayer Saber-tooth slayer Blazer-booth 180 82 flavors, yeah. 80 proof drinker. Go ahead and try to take the scrimmage and watch your face get printed in a daily newspaper. Watch. A minotaur slash half reptilian beast. So go and get your gas mask and kneel to a priest. Hexagonal light this track to a million degrees and detonate this fucking time bomb with my nigga Sharif. we abstract. If you rappers don't think you back, then show me you pass. Yeah, yo, these crab casters be acting phony. You ass back In your last track, because what you told me you grabbed. Yo, we expose exposing you. Yeah, home and homie, we abstract. If you rappers don't think you back, then show me you past past that, cause crab catch. be acting phony, you ass back In your last track, I swore you told me a crab you supposed to gas that. map is uh. full of backwards people who act deceitful, give you dab and greet you. But rather see your cat just rap with lethal cats and peach you. You fucking pack to see through. I grab the bat and beat you, can't sleep The nap We need extract it from the rat to reach you. My evil wrath exceeds you. The way that we attack the track is diesel. For feeble rats who think the rap is equal, my fleet of street assassins practice in the black cathedral shackle. Eager rack i seeds to smack until till we crack the yeah, steeple. I let the mag. To lead you and leave you actors with no cast to speak to Your only plan is to react as peaceful. We fold your plan and turn you cap to beef stool, defeat you. You ask your dad to hold your hand like you was back in preschool. Word. It ain't no task to eat you. Your whole style is as in fact is fecal. The laws of pass will make that trash illegal. You talk talking smack, be careful where the narrow path to lead you. So peep the last release, we're about to reenact the sequel. It's holograms, it's holograms. holograms. In this. Yeah. We about to bring it back to the basics on you, motherfuckers. Real underground, rawness. Word. Homie, We abstract if you rappers don't think you back and show me you pass. Yeah, you know, these crab cats just be acting phony, you ass back and in your last track. Swoke, you told me you grab, yeah. yo, We exposing you, you dash that. Open home, we abstract if you rappers don't think you're back and show me you pass that. Yeah. These crab cats just be acting phony, you ass back and in your last track. You told me you grab, yeah. cat, exposing you, you dash that for life. Yo. Uh.